Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic, so join us as we figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast. My name is Joanna Koho and I'm your host for this episode. In each episode of the Parent Ed Podcast, we'll be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life, and much, much more. We'll be speaking with everyday parents as well as expert practitioners as they share with us their experiences and their practical ideas. And we hope that you'll keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow personally in your journey as a parent. Now, today I have with me uh, two very special guests. They are husband and wife, Daniel and Alicia Chai. Now, uh, we're going to be talking about raising culturally intelligent kids. And as we know it, Singapore in itself is a very culturally diverse place. And living in Singapore means that we have to be comfortable around people of different races, language, religions, backgrounds, and even cross backgrounds, right? And we don't take our harmony and, and, and diversity for granted. So it's important uh, that we learn, even in this uh, very globalized world, how we can raise kids who are culturally sensitive. Now, Daniel works in the banking industry and he does uh, project management. But more than that, he is a hands-on father. Uh, He's also a handyman. I'm sure many moms out there love to hear that. (laughs) And a good cook. Wow, what better husband can you have? (laughs) Alicia is a a professional uh, counsellor, but at this present time, our life stage, she is a stay-at-home mom, and um, she and Daniel are parents to four beautiful kids between the ages of four to ten. Yes, they have four kids, and and you're going to love this. Uh, Two of them are twins, and they are the younger ones, right? They are age four right now, I understand. Okay, so uh, we're going to, uh, maybe maybe before we start, we can share a little bit about uh, your family because Daniel, I understand that um, you're, you were not born in Singapore, but you have since become a true blue Singaporean. <laughs> uh, whereas uh, Alicia, you were born in Singapore and how, how but, but both of you also came from, you know, uh, backgrounds where there were different people of different cultures, different races, different religions. Um, maybe what was it like for you growing up and has there been any difference you know um, in what you see of the environment that your kids are now being raised in yeah i I came to singapore uh, to work back in 2001 um so it has been since been uh, quite a long time here um i think where i came from um is very much uh, similar i came from malaysia i think the community there and here are pretty similar where you have uh, um friends or people from different ethnic city um, going to school together we play together after school so it's very similar from what uh, we experience or our children experience here in here in Singapore and you've been Singapore all your life yes indeed yeah I was born here Uh, I'm the only child in to my parents and but growing up my childhood was as uh, heartlander as it can be yeah, I grew up in um, a large family, even though I'm the only child because my grandmother was the caregiver for us while my parents worked and also my cousin's parents worked. So we were like this uh, very informal uh, childcare in my grandmother's home. Yeah, and we grew up together like as if there were lots of uh, children and the siblings in the family, but actually we are related by blood, though not in the same immediate family. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so very hard lender, very grassroots kind of growing up where we played along the corridors. Mm. Uh, yes, that kind of uh, growing up environment. So, and if we fast forward from then to now, we are, we are both married and uh, we have four children. In our current marital home, we have been staying together for 11 years since we got married in 2009. Yep. And I think in the same way, whatever we have both experienced growing up, led us to do the same right now in the way we raise our family. We actually, like what you say, your everyday typical Singaporean family, we stay in a HDB unit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, But I think what's different about the community that I think we both like is that uh, we're very privileged to stay in a very friendly neighborhood where it's very easy to make friends. you know, And uh, because of that, of the fact that we feel safe and the, the friendliness that we experience, we often bring our children downstairs and as they get older, we let them go downstairs by themselves. This applies to our uh, uh, firstborn. He's 10 years old this year. So he gets the privilege of sometimes going down by himself. But all four of our children actually grew up roaming around the neighborhood, like downstairs, our void deck, and in the immediate two, three blocks around that cluster, you know. So they have um, gone cycling, scootering, played hide and seek. You can hear their voices when we're on the 11th floor, when they're screaming very loudly, you know, that kind of environment. And uh, I think what's a bit more special, maybe I'd like to share, is that for our twins, uh, our last, our third and fourth children are a pair of identical twin boys. And... Uh, by then, I was fully stay-home mom already. So um, when as soon as they could crawl, I brought them every day without fail outdoors, rain or shine. If it's raining, we'll just walk under the sheltered pathways. But if it's not, I actually put them down. I bring them in a stroller because I can't, can't carry both. So I put them in a double stroller, I remember. I will push them down to our community garden, the one that's immediately below our HDB. And I just put them on the floor to crawl. Yeah. And I think it all started from there. They were crawling around the playgrounds and the fitness exercise parks before they could even walk. So we have like photos and videos of all these memories. Yeah, so I I think that's also what perhaps attracted some attention sometimes when we have our neighbours passing by and they would always stop by and talk to us. And um, Is it twins? (laughs) Are they twins? (laughs) Yes, that's always the first question they ask. Are they twins? Then I will try my best to say yes, they are. Yeah, and, and I mean, the, the twins are a um, natural icebreaker, really. You know, I don't have to say all much or do much. I just stand there and then our neighbors will come and speak to us and chit chat with us and we exchange greetings. And I think it's through all these opportunities that we have made a lot of friends over the mm. years. Yeah, uh, but you definitely don't sound like a, a typical parent, though, even though you are. Uh, <laughs> parents um, uh, I, I don't know how many parents out there were cringing perhaps as they heard you like what babies crawling on the floor it's about six or seven months onwards that we do that I felt my what I was telling Daniel is this I think that if there's anything it couldn't be any safer under sun under sunshine like you know those playgrounds right they are all outdoors I think anywhere where there's sunlight and there's rain is cleaner than the indoor kind of a facility for children to move and touch around. That's my thinking and that's my the philosophy that I have. So I, I have really let the twins crawl on their all falls. Maybe on, it's on because the they're, your, they're your number three and number four. Yes. Kids. Yes, good one, Joe. Yeah, thanks for pointing out. I think, yeah, I'm partly that adventurous because they're my last, my last, yeah. If I think I would have never done that for my first, but yeah, indeed, I agree with what you said. Okay, but it's interesting because I think you've described uh, what many of us know as like the Kampong spirit uh, that mm. today in Singapore we might attribute it to something of the past 
but perhaps not mm. so much something that uh, many families still experience in the here and now. Uh, was, was that quite similar to your experience growing up, Daniel? Like there was also this kampong spirit. Yeah, I think here uh, in, in our neighborhood, um, I think through the other interaction that Alicia just mentioned, I think we met quite a lot of uh, friends and neighbors that who, uh, who are new uh, to us. Um, and over time, uh, as we get to know each other more, um, they know our children uh, better as well. Um, so, for example, I think here we want to highlight some of the friends that we met. Um, one of them is uh, Mr. Ko. I call him Mr. Ko, but our children will, uh, would call him um, Uncle Ko. Um, he, he started to befriend us uh, initially, I mean, as we bump into each other downstairs. Um, now he, he would call out to our children whenever our children's playing um, downstairs in the neighborhood. Uh, he will approach us, he will sometimes even join our children downstairs and um, playing football together and then show off, show off uh, his tricks, you know. <laughs> then we found out that he used to be a, a football player in, her, in his uh, younger days. Right. Um, yeah, so through all these, uh, our interactions, we found out, uh, we found out each other's uh, occupation. We know that he is a handyman, a real handyman um, where he goes around. Uh, he usually on the bike. You know, he carry a bag of tools, um, or the cycle around neighborhoods to to uh, different families, different homes to fix things. So he he has uh, come to our house to help us uh, with a few jobs. Um, over time, our children knows where he stays. So when something breaks at at home, uh, we cannot go up together to go up to the to his unit um, to look for him. Wow. Okay. I I am hearing from both of you that you know, in part, it seems to be. Uh, just a, a natural outcome of having located yourselves in the the present neighborhood that you're in, um, but at the same time, you know, Alicia, you said that you 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 made it a deliberate, intentional point to bring your twins down like every single day, rain or shine. You know, I, I think that's quite um, a feat <laughs> for a Singapore family who you know our, our children are, our schedules are perhaps just already so filled that we may not have time to go down to the playground every single day um and and perhaps if you know there's a change in weather all the more we will immediately seize the opportunity to get our kids to do something indoors or catch up with i don't know their homework or their tuition or enrichment other kinds of enrichment activities um so in this intentional effort i i i understand that actually you and your family don't just like hang out in the community and get to know them and your neighbors but you actually serve the community together maybe you could share a little bit about that experience sure one of the things that we do with our children when we go downstairs is that I will also bring them to observe what's happening in our neighborhood. So as you know, Singapore, there's often construction work, renovation work going on. And I think over the years, uh, my children, somehow they just love to stand still and stare at the construction work that's going on. You know, the excavators, the cranes, the dump trucks, the cement mixer, they, they don't really know their ABCs, but they can name all the construction vehicles for you. I mean, talking about my twins. Yeah, they are very familiar with this scenario. I think it started when they were young, when you sometimes just walk around and they will suddenly stand and then watch watch the, the men in action. And I, uh, the construction workers as well, I mean, the migrant workers, we are familiar with them. And I didn't stop them from talking to our twins. Sometimes they will actually stop what they are doing and come and say hello to us. So we allowed the interaction to just naturally take place as well, you know. And um, I think over time, they are quite familiar 
with the people who serve us in our neighborhood. We also befriend our estate cleaners. Auntie Mary is our uh, cleaner in our block. So we know her quite well. Over the years, we have uh, chit-chatted uh, and we have also uh, given her, I mean, given not just her, but also the other estate cleaners, um, some festive uncows and gift packs. Like for Christmas, we will, I will do like pack up some kind of a goodie bag and then uh, distribute and share them with our the clean estate cleaners who mm. serve us in our community. So I think it's all started from here. And then came um, this pandemic and then the circuit breaker. So arising out from this circuit breaker, there was an opportunity for us, for our family and some of our friends to serve on a short-term project to encourage some migrant workers in factory into factory converted dormitories. Uh, we what we did was that we coordinated some meal and gift sponsorships, and we also produced two videos to encourage them. Yeah, our older two children had a bit of a small role to play. We featured them in one of the videos to uh, appreciate the migrant workers for building our homes, the schools, mm -hmm. the buildings, etc. And then, um, yeah, so they recorded the two of them recorded a greeting by holding up a placard with Bengali greetings, so that we could they could identify with their yeah, na native language. So, so just small projects like that. But I mm. think what made our children maybe a bit more open is maybe goes back to what I shared earlier about the lifestyle and the approach that we have taken. So it sounded like like this was something your family initiated um, just on your own, like a, almost like a family project. What actually made you want to do that? And, and what mm. has your family learned in you know, just um, being intentional in bridging these gaps with uh, people from you know, different nationalities even. Mm, maybe just to clarify that the project that I just mentioned to you about, the short-term uh, migrant workers project, mm. it was an idea put forth to us by um, another group of friends and they were looking for some volunteers mm. to mm. come on board and to help out with all the small, small tasks that I mentioned. So we happened to be one of those approach and we said yes. So that's was how we came to be recruited. We were recruited into this rather than it was our own initiative, recruited into the opportunity. Was it because they already knew that, you know, on your own accord, you were doing these like care packs to the, to the cleaner? Oh, no, no. Actually, that was not related. Yeah. So oh, what okay. I mentioned that the external community project is not quite related to what we do as our day-to-day. -day. Uh, I was just like trying to share maybe wow. the openness yeah. to take on to do this came from the exposure that we have as part of our way of life. Yeah, that our children were like, okay, I'll, I'll be willing to do this because it took some coordination and effort from them to, to mm. do with us. And how do you think that, you know, your your children or your even your family may have benefited from from doing this, um, you know, uh, whether it was it's deliberate, like what you call community service or in your own informal ways, reaching out uh, to people from other communities? I think it is uh, important that uh, our children learn that not everything is just um, about ourselves, right, within mm. our family. Um, there are others uh, in the community, either they are, um, they are in need or they are just like us. They are not that different from us, right? Um, as parents, we, um, you know, we, we do our best to make a decent living to provide for our family. So are the migrant workers, for example. I mean, they travel, um, you know, they come to Singapore, they leave their family behind, you know, mm. to, to come here to work. Um, and they have their hopes and dreams too that they want to achieve, just like us, um, mm. any family uh, in, in, here in Singapore. So I think that that's something that we want our children to, to learn so that they practice that, you know, as they interact 
um, perhaps at school, uh, you know, children from different background, yeah. different race or different religion, and they learn to treat or relate with each other mutually. I mean, it's been said that like for children, you know, in their innocence, their pure innocence, they don't see color, they're like colorblind, right? They mm. don't see people, you know, mm. different colors or races or, or nationalities. Um, in fact, they may not even be aware that they are of a certain uh, nationality or race or background if their norm is in mingling constantly mm. with people, mm. you know, backgrounds, uh, races, um, even even I, I, I would say um, uh, economic backgrounds, right? Uh, and, mm. and the migrant workers who are foreigners, yeah. Do, do you see any changes? I mean, I, I assume that you started this, uh, so for your first child, he, he's turning 10 this year, your eldest, right? 10 years um, old, exactly, yeah. Yeah, do you see that, any difference that this has made for him in maybe in his outlook, um, towards other people, his, how he connects with or relates with other people? I think one of the, maybe not so much like significant differences of him wanting to be a self-starter for this kind of things yet that we have not yet observed, but we hope that we will come to observe one day. But um, at least I, we both observed that our son is very open to interact with friends of any races or cultures. Mm -hmm. You know, because a lot of them, like uh, I was mentioning, my son uh, is allowed privileges of going downstairs to play at the end of his um, day in school. After he finishes his homework, we allow him to go down to play for about an hour. And uh, it's really much like he will go down. They will roughly set the time. They say five o'clock. And whoever is downstairs, they will just come together and start kicking a ball or, or do something. And, and who are his friends? You know, when we go down, we see uh, exactly the scene that I saw when I was growing up. Me... You know, my Malay friends, my Indian friends, my Chinese friends, and maybe just one, two years apart, but around the same age range and just having a, a great time shouting, laughing, a rough housing sometimes uh, as they play football. There are no cliques that we can identify or observe. So mm. we, we observe that he plays freely, he's happy. And sometimes when we say, can you actually not play today because you have like a test tomorrow and he will actually be quite upset. He, he needs to have this regular thing to go down and play with his friends. I can hear them, mom. You know, he's sitting beside me. We're going through maybe a paper and if I can hear them. I need to go already. You know, it's time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'm quite happy to let him go because I think that, yeah, it's, it's part of a healthy lifestyle actually also to go down and sweat it out and, and have, a, have time with his friends. Yeah, of course, the circuit breaker had yes. put a, a Yeah, pause, so a there was a pause during that. circuit breaker where mm. they couldn't do that. And then, but uh, overall, it's, it's nice la, to see our children just enjoying each other's friendship. And actually, I just remember my daughter, who is now in primary one, um, when she was in K1 and K2, she shared with us very often that her best friend is, uh, is a Malay student. Yeah. Mm. For two years, they were very, very close. And uh, never have we heard that our children actually say, Oh, my best friend, she's a Malay and her name is, you know, etc. She'll just say my best friend is, and then she'll say the name, but we know her race. We know the culture and that she identifies from, you know, so that is what stood out to me. They have never ever mentioned, you know, a particular race or ethnicity. They say my friend is, and then the name comes out, but we know. Mm. And to me, that's quite encouraging like, that they do not identify, they do not see a need to mention. And maybe that's because we've never mentioned that whenever I actually mention explicitly. So actually, as I share, I feel sometimes a bit awkward that I'm telling you I have Malay neighbors, <laughs> Indian neighbors, because to me, they're my neighbors, you know? And yeah, we, we just like interact with each other every day. But for the purposes of sharing, 
no way we're bringing it up but you know normal day-to-day like we do we hardly say that really even our children yeah oh so it, actually they are really imbibing all these like the diversity of different cultures different races backgrounds even the traditions and the values that come along with it and and to them they don't they're not drawing lines right and if anything they're just mm. enlarging uh, maybe you know before we end I think what you guys have in place there for your family is something that is, is really special and um, I, I hear that you, you, you started your kids from young you know because that was just basically the outlook uh, both of you have uh, Daniel and Alicia so um, if, if I were a parent and I kind of live a bit of a secluded life right now with maybe a very homogeneous community, but recognizing that, uh, as I said, you know, we really do want to build culturally intelligent kids who can be uh, good global citizens, know how to get along with people from different backgrounds, um, you know, operate effectively in in a diverse uh, environment, which uh, Singapore increasingly is. I mean, where or how could you, you know, um, encourage a family to start? Like what, what, what should they do? Thank you for the question. We were also thinking about uh, this as well. And as we look back on our 11 years of living in this community, maybe what we can share is that start where you are simply. Who are your neighbours, your immediate neighbours, your community? Befriend those that you see every day, you know, or, or, and if, if, it, if you're comfortable with it, to also befriend those who serve your estate, you know, get mm. to know them. I think when our children watch, watch or observe us uh, being open to build friendships, regardless of, you know, the different ethnicities, etc., they will imbibe the values. So one mm. thing that we agree, Daniel and I agree, I think, is that we did not intentionally teach them social cohesion. Uh, this is how it should be. You should not, you know, you should mix together. You should mix well together. Everybody should play nice together. I think we just live our life as we go along. And this I, this whole idea of social cohesion, I think is built one neighborly friendship at a time. It's oh. built one plate of food at a time. I wanted oh. to share, you know, I have one uh, a neighbor friend whom I'm quite close to. She is just two doors down on the same floor as me. And, and she's a wonderful person. She, If I could ever nominate her to be neighbor of, the year I will nominate her. She is a very good cook and she is so generous. She's always bringing, uh, sharing her food and her dishes with us, you know, and she has taught us to never return an empty plate. So I think the whole idea of social cohesion starts like that, you know, one friendship at a time, one plate of food at a time. In exchange, we share something with her. I mentioned Daniel cooks. So sometimes when Daniel cooks something special, when he's free, we were like, hey, let's give one portion to our friend, you know, and uh, mm. over the years, this friendship that me and my neighbor shared has uh, given us some trust. And uh, we have actually helped to babysit her daughter a few times when she's working and can't pick up her daughter in time from student care. Mm. She, her daughter and my son attend the same primary school. And uh, so, yeah, so one one's greeting at a time, one short but warm conversation at a time. I think it's in the everyday, the small gestures, you know, the 5 to 10% of our everyday life, the interaction mm-hmm. that we have. I think it starts from there. Mm. Wow, start small, right? Um, and, exactly. and, and it sounds doable. I mean, what you're suggesting sounds doable to any family who's perhaps never uh, kind of um, um, gone past the boundaries of their home <laughs> in, in that manner. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a formal voluntary or community service mm. platform. It, just befriend your neighbors start with befriending and getting to know your neighbors um may- maybe it just as a very last uh, uh, uh input from you guys uh you know what what do you hope to see uh out of your kids from even giving them this exposure 
like what I think Daniel has mentioned earlier on in interview, we are just like any other typical family. We want to raise our children well and we live in this melting pot of a society, you know. And we hope that whatever we have done, uh, they can catch some of it. Yeah, and maybe in time to come, um, display that in their lives, even though we're not there. When we're not there, they, they would even do it. Yeah, at school, I think a large part of their time is in school. We don't hear a lot of stories about it, but I hope that something good is happening in their school life, you mm. know, and also the idea that uh, I hope they'll catch the vision. Yeah, actually, my grandmother came to visit us uh, after phase two began. So it's about one week ago she came and she brought us a gift. Yeah, I was quite excited about it because I knew what gift it was. And um, I excitedly took it out to show my children. My grandmother did a, uh, made a quilt for us, a patchwork quilt. Yeah, during, so during circuit breaker, she's really bored. Uh, well, you know, the elderly folk, they don't really have much to do. They can't go out for their morning walks, go to the coffee shop. So I think uh, she stays with my aunt. And my aunt was like trying to give her something to do. And she's quite good with her hands. She used to be a seamstress. Mm. So my aunt uh, gave her some materials to make the mask. And uh, out of my grandma's own initiative, we were very close. She was my caregiver growing up. And then she made a quilt for us. So when I took out the quilt and I looked at it, I think in, in that moment, I could draw an analogy to our conversation today. And that is that our nation's social fabric is represented by many diverse and multiple families. And each is a different design, just like the patchwork squares on the quilt. But we are all connected and we form a larger tapestry. I think this is the beauty of our life and here in Singapore in this melting pot of cultures. And we hope that our children will grow up to, to also embrace this. La. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, that our children to see that it's not, it's not just about me, about mm. self, but it's an us and this us. Like we are that. part of a bigger picture. That's right. Wow. Okay, that was so well put and so beautifully put. Yeah, it reminds me of the show, but we won't talk about it. <laughs> but thank you so much. You know, uh, I, I hope this encourages parents out there who are listening to this podcast that, you know, don't let's not berate ourselves as we, if we haven't started, you know, thinking about how to expose our children to different cultures, especially in this uh, world where, you know, sometimes these differences become so marked and the source of tension rather than, you know, uh, something that we embrace and that pulls us together, you know, recognizing like uh, Alicia, you put it so beautifully, you know, that we are all part of this big quilt, right, that we call <laughs> life. Yeah. So thank you so much. I'm really just so encouraged that at how both of you are, you know, teaching values to your children. Um, like you said, not necessarily by lecture, <laughs> but mm. you know, as, as we like to say, values are best caught rather than taught. Yeah. So thank That's you both right. for joining us today on raising culturally intelligent kids for this global era. And if you have any other questions out there as a parent that we can help you with, do write to us at parent at, that's parent, ed, at family.org.sg. You can also subscribe to our monthly e-newsletter if you visit our website at www.family.org.sg. And until next time, uh, thank you, Daniel and Alicia, once again for joining us today. Thank you, Joe. Thank you thank for the you. opportunity and yeah, for sharing with you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you.